Well, good morning, Thrive Church. I want to welcome all those who are watching online in the 715 area code this morning. We are so glad that you're with us. And if you're new to Thrive Church, we just want you to know that we are a spirit-led, we are a mission-driven, we are a people-loving, we are a servant-hearted, and we are a growth-minded community that is leading people to become life-giving followers of Jesus. And so that's who we are in a nutshell and we're glad that you're here with us, connecting with us this morning. That video that we just shown here, uh, we are excited because on November 24th, we are going to take an offering. And we, we believe in this ministry of Convoy of Hope. It's making an impact feeding children all around the world. In fact, about 10 years ago, I was able to go to Haiti and, uh, and take part in a ministry of Convoy of Hope there. And they are making a difference in all of the world by feeding children. And you know that you can make a difference in a child's life, a child's life through giving. And we're going to talk about that here in the next few weeks. But I want to encourage you that you would mark down November 24th as a day. And let the, let the Lord speak to you about this. I don't want you to hear from your pastor. Speak to the Lord and say, God, what is it that you would have me to give in this uh, offering of generosity? So I, I make you aware of that. Also, just, I, I just want to, all of our members here, I don't want you to alarm you or anything, but we need to have a special business meeting, and that is going to be scheduled for Sunday, November 14th. This is a two-week notice that we are giving to you, and here's kind of what we have going on here. Again, not to alarm you here, but we have, uh, we have heating units on top, of this, uh, on top of the roof of this building, and it keeps this building nice and cozy. In fact, it takes nine heating units. Well, we just recently had an inspection, and uh, the maintenance part, the person who gave us the inspection said, I'm shutting down three of those units, one in your children's wing, one in your youth wing, and then one in our, our uh, classroom area. Maybe you noticed that this morning. We're shutting down those units because it is no longer safe to run those units. But in the meantime, in the past six weeks or so, we have been working on refinancing our mortgage so that it is a shorter term and a better interest rate. So that's a good thing. But uh, we need to speak to the congregation because there is the potential where we need, might need to take a loan out uh, for the exact amount uh, that is needed for a congregational approval. And so we're going to talk to you more about this in the, in the coming weeks. But I just wanted you to know there's a special business meeting that's going to be held at the end of the service on Sunday, November 14th. So just so that you are aware of that, okay? Um, so I want to encourage you this morning to follow along in your sermon notes. And I'm going to just run this morning as hard as I can until this voice gives out. This week has been a wonderful week for my bride, Michelle, and that I was really quiet. And I was really quiet. And now it's one of those weeks to just be still and know that he is God. And my wife enjoyed that moment. But he, I, I want to encourage you. I'm telling you, today is one of those messages. This is the last message in our sermon series called Questions. And we have been covering topics like this. We've been talking about why is there evil and suffering in the world. We've been talking about what is truth. We talked about is the Bible, is the Bible really legit I mean, can we really trust the word of God? Who is God? And is Jesus who he says that he is? And then last week, we talked about, is Satan really real? And today, we're going to talk about one of those really heavy topics. We are going to talk about the reality of heaven and hell. 
And so our theme verse is this. We, we just discovered this, that we know a lot of times when you, there's going to be some things, some questions in life we are not going to have the answers to here on earth. And we, we understand this from Isaiah chapter 55, verse 9. It says, the, the, the prophet says this. He says, for just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And as I said the past few weeks, I don't know if I want to serve a God where I have it all figured out. I don't want to have him all figured out. What, what is my understanding and knowledge compared to God? So again, today we're going to talk about the, the issue about heaven and hell. Is, is it really real? What about heaven and hell? And I heard this funny story as a couple from the north, and maybe some of you guys do this. They were just getting, they wanted to get out of uh, the winter weather that is soon going to be upon us. And uh, so they thought, you know, we got this long weekend coming up, and we're going to head to Florida. But because of their work schedules, one was going to fly down there earlier. The husband was going to fly down earlier uh, before the wife. It's just kind of different travel arrangements. And as he arrived, he thought, you know, I should send my wife an email just to let her know that, that I arrived okay. But as he's emailing his wife, he inadvertently left out one of the letters, and the email got sent to a different address. Anybody ever that ever happened to, that, to them before? And, and so in Houston, Texas, there was this widow, and she has just come home from her husband, who was a pastor, and he just come home from his funeral. He had just recently passed away unexpectedly. And so when she got home from the funeral, she decided, well, I'm going to just check my email. I'm sure there's a lot of friends who've, who've been reaching out to me, and they just want to check up on me and see how I'm doing. As she opened up to her email, the first email that she read, she fainted on the floor after reading it. Her son hurried and rushed into the room. Mom, Mom, are you okay? And, and so Mom was just kind of waking up, and, and, and she looked at the email and the email says, to my loving wife, from your departed husband, the subject, I have arrived. <laughs> the message read, I have just arrived and have been checked in. I see that everything has been prepared for your arrival tomorrow. <laughs> Looking forward to seeing you then. Hope your journey is as uneventful as mine was. Wait for it. P.S. It sure is hot down here. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. So make sure you, you double check those email addresses. You know, I believe everybody, everybody, I'm sure, is curious what happens next. What's next? After this life here on earth, what, 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 what really happens? In fact, in 2015, there was a Pew Research uh, uh, study, and they, they did a study on America's views on the afterlife. 2015 wasn't too long ago. 2015, 72% of all Americans believe in a literal heaven. Everybody wants to believe in heaven. The same study said that only 58%, though, believe in a literal hell. And the, the reality is this. The reality is that one day, your heart is going to stop beating. 
Okay, sorry to be so morbid, but that's the reality. And your life he is going to end here on earth. We all know that. We don't like to talk about it much. However, the Bible tells us that this is not the end. It is not the end. In fact, the Bible tells us that this is only the beginning. It's only the beginning of one of two of your destinies, that you have an eternal destiny for you. And and the Word of God tells us there is a, a destiny called heaven, and there is a place called hell, and they are real. And I want you to, if you get anything out of this message this morning, hear me when I say this. Understand you decide, understand you decide in this lifetime where you will spend your eternal destiny. Is that too harsh to say that? You decide where you will be for all of eternity. So again, I want to encourage you. Can I just encourage you to do this? I, I, I put a lot of thought into these notes, and I want to challenge you. Don't just take my word for granted. I want to encourage you, take these notes home. If you're here today and you're, or you're watching online and you're just kind of riding the fence on like, I'm not sure how I feel about this heaven and hell thing, would you look up your scriptures? You know what I found? I have found it's one thing to have it in bulletin notes, but when you see it in your Bible and you see this really written, something seems to stick. Jesus talks about the reality of heaven he talks about this, and I, this is one of my favorite passages in the, in the Bible because it just gives me hope. In Luke 23, 43, we, we have the image of Jesus, and he is on the cross, and we know that there's a criminal, there's two criminals, one on each side of him, and there's this discussion that goes on, and one is a doubter, and one is quickly becoming a believer. And Jesus looks at that one, and he says today, I assure you, he, they, they are just on that cross, and they are dying. They're in the last moments of their life here on earth. And he said, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. And he was not talking about, he's like, isn't this awesome up here? And he's like talking, hey, you know, when we're done with this thing up here, how about we go on a vacation? And he wasn't talking about that. He was talking about the reality of heaven. And I want you to know, heaven is for real. And in heaven, it is the absence of suffering. It is the, uh, the absence of fear. It is the absence of pain and heartache and temptation and sickness and scratchy throats and just clogged up sinuses and just, a, yeah, no more disease, no more war, no more evil, no more, yeah, yeah no more. In fact, Jesus tells us in Revelations 21 to 5, he says, talks about the newness of heaven. He says, behold, I am making all things new. How many of you love new things? (laughs) I love new things. In heaven, we are going to have new things. In fact, in heaven, we are going to have a new home. Jesus was talking to his disciples, and it's getting towards the end, and he's trying to prepare them to get them focused beyond, beyond. And he's, and he's telling his disciples, he says, hey, listen, I'm going to be leaving this earth, but I'm going, I got another job to do. I got another task. And he says in John 14, 2, he says, in my father's house, are many rooms. In the King James Version, the word is mansions. Mansions. There's many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare your mansion. Isn't that the coolest? How many of you are excited about that? Yesterday, my wife and I went through a parade of homes. I'm like, man, that's a nice place. 
And when we got this one place where he got like a, a driving range in the basement. And that was the sweetest thing. All winter long, work on your golf game. And so I'm going to have one of those in my mansion one of these days. Well, I'll go golfing with you after that. But Jesus was going to leave earth to prepare a mansion for you. How many of you are excited about this right now? God is preparing that place. And the Bible says that we're going to have no, new bodies New bodies, and I could use one of those right now, that we will be perfect. No more sickness, no more cancer, no more heart disease, no more paralysis. You know, some of the strongest people I have ever known in my life were my parents. My dad had these big old bear claws. I mean, he had big old thick hands. And I've met those hands. They came close to me many times, if you understand what I mean. And it was the hardest thing in my life to see them as their bodies begin to fail. My mom, my mom developed park, or, uh, dementia, and my dad had Parkinson's disease. So there was a period of, of their lives and where my dad had his mind, but he didn't have his body. And my mom had her body, but didn't have her mind. And when you're a child and you're seeing the strongest people that you ever have known in your life and you see them fail, it is hard to see. It is disheartening. And when we get to heaven, man, I cannot wait to see my parents. Can, my, my dad was handsome, a lot like myself, okay? Looked at a lot of pictures, a lot like myself. My dad looked a lot like me. And that was a good thing. And we're going to have a, there's going to be a new world. In heaven, there will be a new earth. And there really are. There's going to be streets of gold. We value gold so much here. They make streets out of them up in heaven. Think about this. It took God seven days to create the earth. But Jesus has been spending over 2,000 years to create our mansions in heaven. There's going to be a new start. No more sin. No more shame. No more guilt. No more crying and grieving over those stupid mistakes we made. A fresh start. A clean slate. How many of you could use one of those today? A clean slate. We will not only be declared righteous, but we will be made righteous. We will be made right before God. We have a new lifespan. You see this lifespan on earth? For each and every one of us, if your heart is ticking this morning, there's just kind of that, they put a stethoscope to your, your chest and you hear the tick, 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 tick. But we all know this, one of these days, a tick is going to talk. And it's going to stop. But when we stand and when we go before heaven, it's going to tick, 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 and there is no stop. That's what it's going to be like in heaven. And, and all the people that have gone before us, I cannot wait. I have a sister who passed away uh, years ago, and, and I, I'm going to see my sister. I'm going to see my mom and my dad. I'm going to have friends who have passed away. I have relatives that have passed away, and I cannot wait for that gigantic family reunion. You know, there was a godly man by the name of Bishop Philip Brooks, and he was seriously ill. And he requested that no friends be allowed to come and see him except his one acquaintance. His name was Robert Ingersoll, and he was a famous anti-Christian protagonist, but they were friends. And he said, I'm going to allow him to come and see me. And, and Ingersoll, he was, so, he was so touched by that. And he says, I appreciate this so much, especially when you aren't letting any of your close friends come and see you. 
But Bishop Brooks responded, oh, I'm confident I'll see them in the next world, but this may be the last time I get a chance to see you. Revelations 4 talks about there's going to be a new view. We are going to see God. We're going to see Jesus. What would it be like? I mean, we know God's spirit is here. But what would it be like if all of a sudden out comes on the stage, Jesus in flesh, and we recognize him? Like, what would you do? <laughs> like, I would get off the stage. <laughs> I, would, I would get on my knees. What would you do? And when we go to heaven, we will see him face to face. And I'll tell you, when I see him, I, I don't want to hear a lot. I really, I just, what I want to hear, I want to hear, well done. He did a good job. Isn't, it, isn't that what we're all living for? I hope, I'm telling you, when you live for the well done, it changes everything. I want to encourage you, live for the well done. Understand this. Listen to me. Again, if you get anything out of this message, understand this. Your eternal destiny is chosen by you here on this earth. I want to talk about the second reality, and the second reality is our eternal reality in hell. Remember, our final destiny is in one, of, one or two of these locations. The Bible talks about this through and through. In Luke 16, Jesus gives a parable. And a parable is a story that is given to us. And he tells us a story to give us understanding of great spiritual truths. And so in Luke 16, 19 and 28, he gives a disturbing picture of this place that we call hell. He tells it, he tells it in a story. And I, I, just, I just think, just put this on pause for a second. If hell is not real, why would Jesus talk about it? Because when, when we're going to read through this story, it is the strangest story. It is a creepy story. Why would Jesus even bring up the topic? The story is not real. Let me read this story. This, is, again, is in Luke 16, 19 through 28, verse 19. It says, there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. He had it all. He had it all. And when you have it all, when you have it all, sometimes you're tempted to believe you really do have it all. You understand what I'm talking about? Sometimes I have success. I have it all figured out. I have it, I have it all worked out. You know what? My, some of my most challenging days of ministry, when I was a youth pastor in a kind of a, a nicer area in Dayton, Ohio, and we had, we worked, I worked with a lot of students, and there was a good chunk of those students who's, they, they were raised in homes where they had it all, if you know what I mean. They had it all. And, and I, I, I literally had students tell me, seriously, what do I need God for? I had one kid pull out his, his credit card, and his parents came, what do I need God for? Seriously, he told me, that, what do I need God for because he thought he had it all. And I just wonder if this rich man that worked that Jesus is talking about in his story, I just wonder if he felt like he had it all. It says here in verse 20, 
at the rich man's gate, there laid a beggar named Lazarus. And he was covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. And he had a scratchy throat, too. It was a tough situation. It was a rough situation. He was a man who didn't have much at all. Much at all. A man who just, this was life for him. And then again, as we get into deeper story, we, we, get a, we get the realization, the reality of the things that hell is. The first reality is Jesus reveals to us that hell is real. Listen to this words, Luke 16. It says, finally, the poor man died and then was carried by the angels to sit beside Abraham at the heavenly banquet. This is heaven. This poor man who who struggled all of his life, and something that, that happened that, that caused him that he was able to go to heaven. But the rich man also died and was buried, and he went to the place of the dead. This was hell. There in torment he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. And again, I just want to just make sure that we're not getting confused here, that we're like, okay, so pastor, all rich people go to hell and all like really hurting people go to heaven. No, 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 no. That's not what it's about. But we're just talking about the issue of the heart. We're going to talk about this more in our next sermon series um, starting next week. But it's just a matter of the heart. God, understand when it comes to money, God doesn't want your money. God doesn't need your money. God wants your heart. And something was going on between these two. We don't have clarity, but there was one who had a heart for God, and there was one who had possibly a heart for many, or for, for more. A lot of people get confused when we talk about a place called hell. A lot of people become confused, and they ask questions like, like this. Why would a loving God send people to such a horrible place? Why, why is that so? And I want us to understand this morning, if we look deeper into this reality, hell was not God's plan. That was not God's intention for man. It was man's decision. Let me say that one more time. Hell was not God's plan it was man's decision. Let me explain here. You see, hell is not a place of punishment, but it is a place of choice, a place of decision. Like I said, you decide here on this earth where you will spend your eternity. Hell is not a place of punishment, but a place of choice. Hell was prepared for those who, like Satan and his demons, chose to run from God. Satan and his demons, they do not like God. They don't want to be around God. And so God prepared a place for them where they can be separated from God, which is hell. And understand this this morning. God has given each and every one of you this gift called free choice. You choose, you choose whom you, you chose who you sat by this morning. You choose who you talk to on your way out. You choose where you live. You choose your spouse. You choose whom you will serve. 
God gives us a choice. God will never, listen to me, God will never force heaven upon you. Did you catch that? God will never force heaven upon you. It is a choice. And so when we run from God, it is to run to the only place that creation is, that God has set for separation, hell. So so God doesn't send people to hell. We run to hell when we run from God. Believe it or not, and, and, and you've been at this place and I have been at this place, there's been times I don't want to be around God. I wanted to be separated. I wanted to do my own thing, and I wake up each and every day, and I still struggle with that. I want to run my life my way. You see, God in his love for us did not want us to simply love him because we had to. True love happens out of choice because I want to, because I desire to. God didn't want us. God did not create a bunch of robots here who are programmed to love God. I love you, God. How would you like your spouse to be like that? Some of you, your spouses are like this. I choose to love you because that I'm programmed to love you. No. We choose to love because we desire to love. We want to give our hearts. Free will, listen to me, free will is God's greatest gift to mankind as well as our most dangerous curse. Let me say that one more time. Free will is God's greatest gift to mankind but can potentially be our most dangerous curse. You see, to be created in the image of God is to have the ability to choose our eternity, eternal destiny. Second of all, the second reality that Jesus says, Jesus says hell is anguishing. It says in verse 24, the rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I am in anguish in these flames. You see, when we look through scriptures, we see the word hell is mentioned 23 times, 23 times in the New Testament. There are basically two words or or two pictures that the New Testament writers want us to get uh, of, of this thing called hell. The Hebrew depicts a valley of sorrow. It, it talks about this, the valley of Hinnom. And the valley of Hinnom was really a garbage dump. It was this, this place that's south of Jerusalem. That's where people took like the nastiest things, dead animal, dead animal parts. And just, it was a place of stank and stunk. And nobody wanted to be in flies and nasty and in the heat and ugh. It was the worst possible place a Jew could imagine. And that's the illustration that is used. In the Greek, the word, and we've heard of this word before, is called Hades. And it is, Hades is the land of the dead. It is a place of excruciating distress, suffering, or pain. It's a place of physical suffering. You see, as we look in this story, we see that this rich man was looking for relief of his ongoing pain. Like, please, just send Lazarus if he could just touch the tip of my tongue with just a drop of water. 
That is excruciating pain that he's gone through. Another word is torment. Torment is ongoing pain. I don't know if you've ever been in ongoing pain before. My brother just recently separated his shoulder, and he's had some, some accidents before, but he is just, he's calling me like, ah. It's an ongoing pain, and nothing has taken away that edge. If you've ever been in that place before, then that is what hell is like. It's a place of relational suffering. Hell is a place of complete darkness and loneliness. There's a, a, a years ago, Ted Turner, if you ever heard of him, um, he, he did a, a speech at the National Press Club, and, and I'm not sure Ted Turner is currently a Christ follower. And he said this, let me read this speech, part of this speech for you. He said, heaven, I don't know why he got on this topic, but he said, heaven is going to be a mighty, splendid place. A mighty, I'm sorry, a mighty, splendor place. And most of the people I know in life aren't going to be there. There are a few notable exceptions, and I'll miss them. Remember, heaven is going to be perfect. And I don't really want to be there. Those of us who go to hell, which will be most of us in this room, most journalists are certainly going there. He said it. But when we get to hell, we'll have a chance to make things better because hell is supposed to be a mess. And heaven is perfect. Who wants to go to a place that's perfect? Boring, boring. What what he's just depicted is like hell is going to be fun. And we could go down there and we can kind of clean it up. It's going to be, listen to me, hell is not going to be a party. It's not going to be a party. Imagine yourself in, in complete darkness. Somebody explain this to me. My Sunday school teacher is going to be, it's like complete darkness. There's no sight. There's no sound. There's no smells, no touch, nothingness. Nothingness. C.S. Lewis said this. He says, hell is nothing but yourself for all eternity. There will be emotional suffering. And I think the emotional suffering will be because everybody will have a crystal clear memory. How will be a place of internal, eternal remembrance and regret. And hell will remember having the opportunity to receive God's gift of eternal life with him. But we rejected it. Eternal regret. There will be spiritual suffering. Second Thessalonians tells us this. Paul tells us in Second Thessalonians 1.9, he says, they will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power. It's a place where we will be separate from God forever. I've heard some people say that. That is the worst of all of it, is to be separated from God. It has been said that the pain of hell is not so much caused by the presence of evil as from the absence of good. Listen, listen to the phrase that Jesus, and you'll see this many times, and I've noted it for you in your notes. Please look up these verses. How Jesus repeats this phrase when he talks about this place called hell. He uses this phrase, it will be a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Weeping when you have wept before, and some of you, maybe you have lost a a, a loved one. You went through bitter grief, and you just could not stop grieving. You cried so hard, and you had no more tears to cry, but still your body convulsed. 
and gnashing of teeth. That gnashing of teeth that talks about being deep anger and fury. You're just, you're just. Have you ever been in that place before? You're just so angry, and possibly you're just angry at yourself because you knew that the decision for eternity was made here on earth. Hell is eternal. Look at verse 26, and it says, And besides, there is a great chasm separating us. No one can cross over to you from here, and no one can cross over to us from there. You say, some, some people argue that, 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 that hell is for eternity. Maybe it's for just a small period of time, you know, just to clean people up a little bit, and just to get their attention. There's a, a phrase called, or there's a, there's a thought called annihilationism. And this is where people believe that people are sent to hell eventually, and it, it ceased to exist after a certain period. There's another word that is called purgatory. And this is kind of, a, 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 a lot of people believe that this is kind of an intermittent place that people go between heaven and, and earth. And I, I just want you to know, I've read through the scriptures so many times, I don't see that reality in this book. Matthew 25, 46, Jesus says, and they will go away into eternal punishment. Eternal is not intermittent. It's not just for a time frame. It is eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. Do you see Jesus points out these two very separate places? He talks about eternal punishment, which is forever, and he talks about eternal life, which is forever. Jesus says there are two options. Last of all, hell is avoidable. Hell is avoidable. Luke 16, 27 and 28 I said, then the rich man said, please, Father Abraham, at least send, send him, send Lazarus to my father's home. For I have five brothers, and I want him to warn them so that they don't end up in this place of torment. You see, the rich man here is begging God, 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 okay, okay, I'm here, okay, but send somebody to save my family. Send somebody. Can you please send Lazarus? Lazarus will get their attention. There has to be a way to avoid this. And how many people are in hell today who are crying out for the same thing? Again, the greatest truth about hell, the greatest truth about hell is that hell is a choice, and you do, you do not have to go there. So many times I, I've done... Funerals. I do, I saw, a lot of times I'll do funerals for people I do not know. And, and some family members will get up and, I, I, and I, don't know, I don't know where people are at. Nobody knows. That. Don't be careful when you judge where people are going to be and where, where they're not going to be. But I'll hear people say, I know you're in heaven right now. And sometimes, and I'm sure you've, you've done the same thing, you've asked the question, well, how do you know? How do you know? How does one get to heaven? Do you, do you, have you figured out the answer to that question? And maybe, maybe some of you are here today. Just time out here for a second. Some of you, like pastor, you, you're preaching to the choir. I already know all this stuff. I, I, know, about, I know what you're going to say, and I know this, okay? 
And I say to you, I am so glad to hear that. But I would tell you, there's a lot of people in your sphere of influence who need to hear this message. You are the Lazarus to a lot of people in your world. So what does the Bible say about salvation? The word salvation means to be rescued from imminent danger. You see many times throughout the Gospels this this phrase called saved. You will be saved, to be be rescued from imminent danger. So, So how can someone be saved from the imminent danger of hell? That's a very good question. In the book of Acts, there's a story of Paul and Silas, and they are imprisoned. And all of a sudden, there's like this God thing that happens. And I'm not going to get into the whole story, but there's like a God appearance. And there is an earthquake. And all of a sudden, in this prison system, all of the doors are slammed open. And all the chains on the prisoners are released. And you can just imagine the prison guards who are like, who are chained to these prisoners like, Did you just see what happened? And they know that this Paul and Silas guy are like these Christ followers. And Paul and Silas have probably been talking to them about this Jesus guy. And finally, they have the prisoner's attention. How many of you, that would catch your attention? If all those things happened, that would catch your attention. And at once, the jailer believed in God, and he asked this question. He says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? He had, he had an awareness that there is an eternity. And something stuck. And he's like, okay, finally, you got me. You got my attention. What must I do to be saved? I think a lot of people are asking that question. Everyone is asking this question. And, but the problem is a lot of people are believing different answers. I saw this survey the other day, and it just it made me like, oh, oh. Just this, just this month, a survey by Probe Ministries, it said this, almost 70%, okay, 70%, I would say, uh, I would say this group and this group, that's probably about 70% of the people in this room, okay, 70%, uh, 70% of you of born-again Christians, born-again Christians believe one can get to heaven through Jesus Christ or another religion. Oh. Remember me talking about Satan last week? Oh, Satan just loves that one. Oh, confusion, confusion confusion. And I I just want to set the record straight. In fact, I want the word of God to set the record straight. That salvation is through Christ, Jesus Christ, and Christ alone. The alone. Please, please, if you're watching online, please look this up. Look this up yourself. So, So what is the truth? Let's go back to our story with Paul and Silas and listen to the answer that they gave him. And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be. He didn't say, well, you know, you got your options. You know, 
You got Jesus. You know, that's who I follow. But, I mean, you could follow, like, Buddha or, like, you know, you know, follow those. You know, whatever one, like, you know, or put them all together. You know? No. Believe in the Lord. When he says the word Lord, he's talking about the one, Jesus, and you will be. Can it really be that simple? I know a lot of people who have, are living their lives just, I've got to do more. I've got to do more. I've got to earn my salvation. I've got to do more. If I'm just, good, just a little bit better, I'll catch God's attention. Peter, one of the apostles, I'm almost done here. He, he reiterates Paul and Silas when he boldly goes into the streets of Jerusalem and he says this. He says, there is salvation in no one else. There is no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. He was talking about Jesus. Jesus, listen to me. Jesus is the only hope for your salvation. He is the only way. Jesus tells us the same thing in the most controversial verse in the entire scripture, John 14. Jesus said this. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I was looking, I just I was trying to figure this out. Like, how can I be, how can I be creative and illustrate this? Anybody ever been taking Highway 1 from Miami to the Florida Keys? Anybody ever driven that route? Do you know there's only one road that can get you there from Miami? to the Florida Keys. It's Highway 1. And right now, time out. By me saying that there's only one way, there are some of you right now like, I bet you there's a different way. I bet you I could figure out a different way. But there's only one way. Literally, like, well, I could t- get onto a ferry and I could do that. I'm like, no, 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 I'm telling you, there's, there's only one way. It's Highway 1. And that's what Jesus is saying. L- listen, I'm telling you, for eternal salvation, in heaven, there's only one way. Jesus is the only hope for salvation. And Jesus tells us this. I watched this football game yesterday. You'll see that big old sign. I saw it waving. John 3, 16. Jesus says this, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son, me, Jesus, so that everyone who believes in me will not perish but have eternal life, salvation. The only requirement that Jesus gives for eternal salvation is to believe in him. Well, what does that mean? Let me explain this to you. You just really need to grasp this, and then I'm almost done, okay? What does it mean to believe in him? What does that mean? Well, let's take every part of us mentally. To believe in him, I must believe that he is who he says that he is. I just believe I have the knowledge and I believe it mentally. I believe he did what he did. He said he did. I believe that he says what is going to happen. I believe it, but I believe it in my mind. But second of all, to believe in him is to be emotionally. I put my trust in you. Like I'm, I'm going all in with this. Like this morning, what does it mean to go all in? This morning, how many of you drove by car? You drove by, okay, I think 99% of you here, you know what you did? You, when you got in your car, you went all in. 
And you didn't think twice about it. You put your trust in your car to get you here today. And that's what Jesus is saying to you. Go all in with me. Trust me. That's what it means to go in emotionally, spiritually. I put all of my faith and hope in you alone. So there is no other answer. There is no Buddha or Muhammad or a mixture, a tossed salad that's going to get me there. I put my hope and I put my faith in Jesus physically. Physically means when I believe in him, I follow him with my life. Because he gave his life for me, I devote my life to follow him. Does that make sense? I'm trying to simplify this as much as I possibly can. So this morning, as I've said multiple times, you choose here today, the scriptures make it clear, you choose your eternal destiny here on earth. So I want to ask you, do you have assurance of your salvation? The Bible says, Paul says that if you would confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. He makes it simple. And if you would like to do that today, I'd like all of us to just bow our heads and I just want us to just make sure that we have made that decision to be all in with Jesus. Those who are watching online, I'm telling you, it's, a, it's easy peasy. Just say, God, I need you. I'm telling you, that's a, powerful, that's a powerful statement right there. God, I need you. I recognize that you are the only way. God, save me. Forgive me of my sins. Place your spirit inside of me. Change me from the inside out. Help me as I pursue this journey with you. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. The Bible said, God, the Bible just, the, the, heaven loves when these moments happen. I'm trusting that some of you gave your heart to Jesus for the first time there. And the Bible says that heaven rejoices. Can we just rejoice with heaven today? That people, listen to me. There's some of you, you have just been saved. Your destiny has just changed radically in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And here, what I want to give to you this morning, if, you, if you've just made that decision, I want to give you this road book that's going to help you grow in that journey. Remember, mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, this book is it's a new, uh, new believer's Bible, New Testament, and it's got insights in here that are going to help you grow in this journey because just because you made this decision now how do I live in him and so if you've made that decision I'm going to ask that you just put a check next to your name there's on those cards those guest cards today today I made Jesus Lord of my life take it to these awesome people and back in this guest center and they're going to give you that new believers Bible today amen if you're here today and you're like pastor thank you for reminding me of this reality today there is a place called heaven. There is a place called hell. And Jesus gives us the message. He gives us the mission to share this message to a lost world. And so church, so it's so important that we know what we believe. Amen.
Amen. Lord, we just give you honor and praise today. We give you thanks for your word. You are the way, the truth, and life. Lord, help us as we follow you. In Jesus' name, I pray.